Okay. Good morning, everyone. Please come and find a seat. If you've got a Bible, could you turn to Psalm 127? And Psalm 127. We're going to be going through the next part of our Life's Playlist series, looking at a section of the Psalms. But as what we've been doing at the beginning of each of these sermon series is um, I've been inviting some of our leaders of the church up here just to introduce them. You get to know them a little bit. Also, they have an opportunity then to talk about their playlist, what their playlist for life is, what they're listening to at the moment. And this week we have Philippa coming to join us. So we give Philippa a clap, please. Thank you. (laughs) I've made some notes because I don't remember things when I stand in front of people, so I have to write it down. Okay. Um, As G said, if you don't know me, my name is Philippa. Everyone calls me Phil. Um, I'm married to Matt down there with the big, thick coat on, um, who was drumming this morning. Um, I'm part of the leadership team here at Real Life. We have two gorgeous little blonde children, Blue, who is six, and Delta, who is nine, going on 19. Um, it's great fun being their parents, and we love them. Um, I used to be a primary school teacher, but now my week looks quite different. So primarily, I'm a mum, and I get to do the school run and take them to swimming and all that kind of stuff and everything after school, for which I'm so grateful to both God and Matt for facilitating that so I can do that. During the day, whilst they are at school, I am running my own business, which is basically making things It's really hard to describe. Making things out of reclaimed wood, things for your home, presents, gifts, personalized, stuff like that. So a lot of you have um, bought some bits from me, so thank you. You'll know what I'm talking about. Okay, so on the um, leadership team, my primary role, um, or one of the main things that we do alongside Matt, is to look after the worship team. So therefore, music is really, really important to me. So I am very excited that I finally get to share my playlist with you. Um, even more excited that Stuart has said I can have the first 20 minutes of his preach to do so. So that's great. He's actually looking a bit mm. nervous over there. <laughs> okay, um, I love music. Um, I just love it. I feel like I was born listening to music. It feels like it flows through my veins. It's just around me all the time. Um, Becky said last week that she quite often when she's at home loves to have moments of silence, which I get when life's a bit crazy. I'm the complete opposite. I literally have music on all the time. If it's not playing, then I'm singing it or playing something myself or I'm just humming, which apparently is quite annoying um, to the people around me. But constantly have music on. I just love it. I feel like, like I said, I feel like it flows through my veins. I feel like it feeds me. And I, I yeah, I just love it. So um, my dad's a really incredible guitarist. So I grew up listening to all the greats, um, like Eric Clapton, B.B. Uh, King, John Mayall, all the good kind of blues guitarists, really excellent musicians. So I love good quality music. If you give me a band who really can play their instruments or a singer who's really crafted um, their voice and is just quite stunning. I love that kind of music. So for me, the best female voice ever, without doubt, is Eva Cassidy. I think she's just outstanding, was. And she's got absolutely beautiful music. I love her stuff. In fact, walk down the aisle to one of her songs. Um, and the male equivalent, if you've not heard of Gavin James, you need to go and look him up. He is outstanding, absolutely awesome musician. Again, he could sing you the phone book and have you in tears. He's really, really good. 
So I love loads of different bands. I like a bit of Mumford, Jason Mraz, Jamie Cullum, Love Ed Sheeran, George Ezra, Coldplay, Passenger, James Bay, Maroon 5, John Mayer, Tom Walker. I'm quite liking a bit of Lewis Capaldi at the minute, if you've heard him, like his voice. Um, a bit of old classic stuff as well, though. So things like The Police and Matt's mentioned Bon Jovi and um, Earth, Wind and Fire. Really, really good, um, excellent musicians. I love going to see live gigs. So um, one of the things I love about God is that when you say yes to him and step out in obedience, he blesses you in ways that somehow don't even seem related, but they're just extra little blessings. So actually, when we finally said yes to him and moved up to Birmingham, we moved into one of the best live music scenes I've ever been a part of. So we got to... We go to gigs nearly all the time. We've been to more gigs, I think, in the last eight years than we have in our entire lives previously combined. So much good music going on in Birmingham. So if you like live music, check out the venues. There's, there's tons. Love it. Um, I'm not going to lie. I do love a bit of cheesy pop as well. Um, yeah, thanks. Thought you'd be with me on that, Sha. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I may have the best of Westlife in my CD collection. I know, I know. And Boyzone. Um, yeah, I know, classic. Um, one of my ideal jobs, my ideal career, which hasn't yet happened, but I'm hoping one day will, is to be in a Steps tribute band. That is the dream. Still the dream. <laughs> but I love a little bit of Shawn Mendes, a little bit of McBusted, a little bit of Katy Perry, all the cheesy stuff as well. Um, uh, lyrics are really important to me, so I love soundtracks. So I will quite often be listening to loads of soundtracks. Bit of kind of classic stuff. I love the Dawson's Creek soundtrack, uh, One Tree Hill, Ten Things I Hate About You, um, all those kind of films. Anything Disney, love a bit of Disney music, always good to sing along to. Um, and I, although I do sound like most other people who've been up here already, I do feel like that the reason for the Greatest Showman soundtrack still being in the top ten is 95% down to me. Pretty much not a day goes by where I don't listen to a bit of Greatest Showman. Um, and also, off of that, I love films that are about music. So again, Matt mentioned The Commitments, um, That Thing You Do. If you've not seen the film um, Begin Again with Keira Knightley in it, absolutely love that film. A little bit of swearing, but the music is outstanding. And so the last type of music that I love to listen to, you'll be pleased to know, is worship music. Um, like I said, music feeds me. It's how I'm wired up. It's what God has put into me. So it's naturally the way I encounter him most. And I just love to stick on a worship CD and lose myself in it. I love what's coming out of Bethel. I love what's coming out of um, Elevation, out of uh, Worship Central, Gas Street. But I think for me personally, I've got a bit of a connection with all the music that comes out of Hillsong. I just love what they write. I don't know if it's because I grew up listening to Darlene Check, but I just love the songs that come out of there. And I feel something in them just really speaks to me. Um, and I love worship. In God through music. Wasn't quite two minutes, but I love music. So there we go. Thank you. <laughs> okay. We're on to the Psalms of Ascent. I hope you found Psalm 127. Now, the Psalms of Ascent are a group of Psalms within the book of Psalms from number 123 to 134. There are 15 of them. And these were songs sung by the people of Israel as they traveled to Jerusalem for the three major festivals that came throughout the year. There was the Festival of Unleavened Bread, or the Passover. There was the Festival of Weeks, Pentecost, and the Festival of Booths, Tabernacles, which took place in Jerusalem, and the people of God were requ required to gather for them. And the, the ascent um, is believed to be, as the people, um, the pilgrims came to Jerusalem, they would have to ascend, because Jerusalem was set on a hill, the temple was set on a mount within Jerusalem, and was the highest point, and so up they went. They ascended there. And so we've been going through these things. And what we found is, and as we've looked at them, is that they cover all aspects of life. Just like our modern songs, 
People sing about the highs and lows of life, and they're covered within these psalms. So they very much are a playlist for our life. Now, the collection of 15 psalms broadly goes from being the pilgrims starting at their home and then ending up in the city of Jerusalem. But actually, they can be broken down a little bit more. So if we put them up, so basically they get broken down into groups of three, where there's a situation of stress, there's the Lord's power to deliver, and then the, finally the pilgrim um, comes home to the city of Jerusalem. And we've looked at several triplets, and we're on our third one. We're at Psalm 127 now, which is going to be about the Lord's power to deliver and act in a situation. And so what we've got is the Lord's power to deliver and save. And what we're looking at today in this psalm is two of the most important areas of life. First one is our work, what we spend most of our time doing. And the other one is the whole area of family, particularly the area of children. And for most of life's journey, for us, is spent in one of those places. A bit like the the pilgrim on their way to Jerusalem, that only happened three times a year. The rest of the time, they were living at home, going about their daily life, which would have been covered in there. So it's very relevant for them to talk about that, to sing about that, and then actually, what does it mean to have God involved in there? How do we make life work best for us? And how did they work, make life work best for them? So that's what we're going to be looking at in the psalm. Now, before we get into that, we have to have our song, because every one of these sermons, we've got a song just to accompany it that hopefully sums up some of what's going to come next. So, can we have... <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that, that was... Tina Turner singing Simply the Best. All right. Can we have a year? Ooh, it seems to go on forever, this song. Go on. Keep going. What does Neil say? No, not according to Wiki, anyway. 1991, apparently. 1991. Don't come and correct me if I'm wrong. I looked it up on Wiki. That's what they said. 1991. Oh, but for a bonus point. Did you know that Tina Turner wasn't the original artist? That was a cover. Ah, exactly. I thought that too when I looked it up on Wiki. Who was the original artist? Anyone? No, it wasn't. God. Bonnie Tyler, who released it in 1988. How do you know that, Jax? Oh, you saw it on the notes. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, <laughs> Jax didn't know that. It's written on my notes, which I've given to Matt. All right. It was Bonnie Tyler. Apparently, she released it in 88, and I think it only got to, like, number 45. And then Tina came along, and the rest is history. So, simply the best. Hopefully, this will pre- be relevant. Let's read the psalm, and you'll see how these two touch. <laughs> okay, here we go. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house... Those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. 
Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Okay, this, this psalm. This psalm is described as a wisdom psalm. It would be right at home if it, were, if it had turned up in the book of Proverbs. It's in the wisdom literature that we find the Bible, Proverbs and Psalms and Job and Ecclesiastes, Song of Song, invite us to look at life from God's perspective. This is how God views what's going on in life. And in this psalm, we're being invited to look at life for God's perspective in the area of work and the area of family, particularly children. And if you look in your Bible now at where it says the Psalms, the Psalm 127, you look just above it, there's a small piece of text. And it will, one of them will say Psalms of Ascent, which is part of the original text. That's why it's in there. It's not an editorial edition. That's part of it. But it will say two words after it. And it will say of Solomon. Solomon is um, associated with the wisdom literature, wrote much of it, and he is known for his wisdom as a biblical character outside the Lord Jesus Christ, the wisest man who ever lived. He wrote many of the Proverbs and other things that have been attributed to him. So this is very much a wisdom psalm. We um, did a series on the book of Proverbs, if you want to catch that, that's online, where we looked at the first nine chapters and then some of the principles that come throughout that. So this psalm can be divided into two sections. You've got verses 1 and 2. And then there's a break, and then there's verses 3 to 5. The first one is about uh, our working life, and the second one has to do with family. And the psalm notes that success in life has to be viewed in light of God. Success in work, success in family has to be seen from his perspective. It doesn't necessarily mean the situation will change. God doesn't often change situations. He often changes us within the situations and how we look at it and how we interact with it and that's how we get um, breakthrough in life. And so what we're going to be looking at here is God's perspective on life. And so the big idea today, for life to be simply the best, see what I did there? We must see it from God's perspective. For life to be simply the best, we must see it from God's perspective. All right, first section, simply the best perspective for work. Now when we talk about work, we're talking about it in the broadest sense of the word, Um, whatever you do tomorrow morning. So it can be, for most people, there is a paid employment thing, whether it's a nine-to-five job or shift work or part-time. They often go and they work and they get paid for it. There are others who work and they don't get paid. They're looking after children um, at home, and that's not a pay, but it's still very much work and requires labor. Someone, people work voluntarily, so they go somewhere, do a job, but they just don't get paid for it. But that still works. Some people are retired, and so they might have any formal work, but they're actually living off the fruits of their work in terms of a pension or what the state provides. So there's still very much work. It's all wrapped up in it. And so as we look at this first section, first couple of verses, it begins with a conditional phrase, a conditional perspective that we're going to take. It says, unless, twice in the first couple of lines, unless... The Lord builds the house unless the Lord watches over the city. And for most of us, this is fairly kind of, we know this, cause and effect. If I do A, then B will happen. Or if I don't do A, then B won't happen. That's just normal. If I don't turn up to work, I will get fired. There's just, that's conditions. That's just normal about what happens. If I do turn up and put in a day's work, I will receive my pay out of this. So it begins with the condition, with God. And he's saying that actually from God's perspective, we need to look at work, how he looks at work. 
He's basically saying no matter what human skills you have, no matter what human training you have, if you take God out of the equation, ultimately your work will not be a success. It will not come to fruition. It will be ineffective. It will not work. We need to get God involved. And it has this phrase, I think it's three times it comes up in those few verses. It says, in vain, which also echoes, echoes Solomon. If you ever read the book of Ecclesiastes, it's kind of, oh yes, yeah, that's the sort of thing Solomon would say to people. He says, if you don't involve the Lord in what you do, ultimately it is all in vain. It is unfruitful, it is ineffective, it is unsuccessful, it has no purpose and ultimately no meaning in life. And the psalmist is saying that success at work is dependent on God being involved in it. Your success, work to be the best, whatever you understand work to be, for it to work the best it can, God needs to be involved. If God is not involved, what you're doing, what you're working at, it's it's delusional. It's deceptive. You're not going to ultimately receive the success that you're after. Your effect, you're wasting your time. And he says here, uh, the first thing it mentions there is the house, a home, a dwelling place. And it says, unless God builds it, you labor in vain. And the picture there, labor is of physical, manual, strenuous work. So you can put a load of work into something that takes time energy, effort, unless God's involved, ultimately it will come to nothing. The second thing it talks about is the city, which is a picture of um, security, a place of safety, retreat to the city where you can be safe and looked after, have had walls, people to defend it. It says, well, unless God looks over that, the watchman is just is working in vain. And the watchman were the one who stood on the wall. They'd be looking. Are there enemies coming? Are there any threats, any dangers? We'll protect you. We'll look after you. And you can put your security in that. Well, the watchman's there. He'll warn me if anything's coming. He said, unless God is doing that, ultimately it is a waste. And the picture of the home and the city is a kind of a picture of life functioning well. You've got a nice home, which is the fruit of your labor. There's a place of security that it exists. Everything's going all right. But he's saying, unless God is watching over it, God is involved in it, ultimately it will all be in vain. It will all come to nothing. And if we go on to verse 2, he describes um, a person that he would have had in mind, the psalmist here. He says, he says that person... It says, they rise early and they go to bed late. This is a picture of someone who works really hard. They're a hard worker. They're getting up early in the morning. They're not lazing around. They're not staying in bed, hitting snooze on the alarm again and again. They're getting up. They're active. They're ready to go. And not only that, it's they, they work late. They put in the extra hours. They're, they're coming. They keep going. They're, they're putting, you might go home, but I'm staying here. I'm going to make a few more calls. I'm going to work through this. I'm going to take a bit of time and extra to make this happen. What does it say? It says they eat the bread of anxious toil because it's all in vain again. That phrase comes up. It's all in vain. Despite, it doesn't matter how many hours you put in. It doesn't matter how hard you work. It doesn't matter how well trained you are and what you're capable. Ultimately, it's all in vain. And these people are described as anxious. 
They're worried. They're fretting. They haven't got peace in their life. They're not kind of calm in the midst of what's going on. There's a certain energy that's going on that is causing problems in their life. Worry, fretting. There's no peace, in short. And then finally at the end, it gives a contrast. It gives a contrast to the other person who it says, for he gives his beloved sleep. So on one side, you've got a picture of energy. You've got a picture of people getting up early, going to bed late. They're working hard. They're putting the hours in. But there's a fretfulness about it. There's an anxiety about this. So they're always moving. They're always doing something. You couldn't be called them lazy or anything. On the other side, you have a picture of sleep, rest, inactivity, calm, and they're contrasting too. The contrast is saying, look at the two of them. One of them is in vain, and one of them isn't. One of them will come to nothing, and the other one will get what they want out of life. And the sleep here isn't the result of exhaustion. It's not the result of just you know, collapsing into bed at the end of a, a long day and just. Pff. It's this picture of contentment, it's a picture of security. It's a picture of calmness. Now, why is that? It says a couple of things. It says that that person is beloved. It says, my beloved there. So we've got a picture of someone who knows that they are loved by God. They are secure in that. They know they have a Father in heaven who is looking out for them. They have a Father in heaven who is watching over them. And so as a result, they are loved and they are aware of it. And that is a beautiful place to be, to be in a position where you are loved. And they are secure because they are asleep. And when they sleep, they know that there is someone else who is watching. And there is someone else who is working. And there is someone else who is active because that's what the Lord is. And we've seen already in one of the Psalms that we looked at that the Lord neither slumbers nor sleeps. He's always watching over his people. He's always guarding them. He's always protecting them. We don't have to be in the place of God. We don't have to do his job for him. And I don't know if you've ever, um, one of the most beautiful things is when you see someone sleeping. And if you've got small children, it's something you see. When you see babies and they're asleep, what does everyone see when they see a sleeping baby? They just go, oh. It's just the most amazing thing. They're just, they're there and they're sitting and they think, do you know what? It's just, what a beautiful place to be. They're just calm and they're, they're relaxed and they just, they haven't got to care. Because they know someone else is watching over them. Someone else is looking after them. And that's the picture we've got here. One of my greatest privileges of being a father is when every night I go, before I go to bed, I just go and check on my boys. I've got two boys, and I just check them, go in the room before um, I go to sleep and check the right, make sure they've got the covers, make sure they've got the, the toys, the colors they need near them. I give them a kiss. I pray for them. And it's just a beautiful, they are just, for them, that's, they're just, oh. They're fast asleep, they look dead cute, and I love doing that as a dad. And that's the picture God's saying. He says, actually, his beloved, they just get to sleep. They get to relax. They get to rest. They know that there's someone else is taking the weight of it. Someone else is watching over it. And this provokes a couple of questions for us here now. The wisdom that we can learn from. And I just want to ask them to you. Ask them of yourself. First one is, do you see your work as part of God's work? Do you see what you do as part of God's greater purposes? Or are they kind of completely separate? I go to work, I earn, that's what I do. That's that's all about me, that's my thing. 
that's what I do, I'm working with. Or do you see it part of God's kingdom? Because unless the Lord is involved, ultimately, it's in vain. Ultimately, it's in vain. That's what he's saying. It won't come to, not that it won't necessarily work, doesn't mean you won't get paid or anything like that. Actually, it's ultimate, eternal success and rewards and for God's purposes. Ultimately, you're just, you're building with hay and straw, the Apostle Paul says. And when the fire of judgment comes, and it will come for all of us, it gets burnt up. Unless you build with gold and silver and jewels in God's purposes and God's kingdom, then it will last. Then it will have true worth. And so, whatever it is you do right now for your work, whatever's going to happen tomorrow morning when the alarm goes off or the kids wake up or whatever it is, that's your work. That's going to kind of cover you throughout the week. Do you see it as part of God's call on your life? You've been placed somewhere uniquely. You're the only person who can do that job there then. That's your role. God has put you in that. And you are to be influential there for his kingdom. God has got you there. You might be the only believer in that place, in that company, in that office, in that department, in that home, wherever it is. That's where God's called you and placed you. And so when you go into work, how do you see it? Do you think, oh, punch the time card. Here we go again. Eight hours till freedom. You know, and then I can get, I can get out the other end and just ugh, get on with more important things. Or do you see what God has called you to as an opportunity to serve him? to show his love to who's ever there, to be the best at what you can be. Because God's called us, whatever he's called you to, he wants you to be the best at it. Do everything as if you're working for God, it says. Everything. So whatever it is, it might, you might think it's the most menial, mundane job, but you do it for the Lord. Are you there to show his love and show honor to your boss, no matter how annoying and irritating you are? Those colleagues... The people you serve, your customers, your clients, your children, whatever it is. Do you do the best job and think, how do I serve you? Do you speak words of encouragement and life to what's going on? You honor those around you. You are, you are true in your filling out of your forms and filling in your expenses and making your quotes to your clients and how you serve people around you. Are you seeing it like that? This is an extension. This is what God has called you to because you spend most of your time there. I think if we drew a pie chart of our lives and what we spend time doing, I think the one massive chunk is sleep, isn't it? Like a third of our life we spend asleep. When you have children, that gets a lot smaller. But, but there's a, a chunk of sleep or missed sleep. And then, and then you have the other big chunk is kind of your work, what you do. And God has called you there. It's not, the, the spiritual stuff doesn't just happen here on a Sunday, as important as this is. Most of it happens out there. With people that you get to honor and you get to love. Do you go into the world saying, God, fill me with your spirit. Let's go. Let's advance the kingdom in this place. Let's be the best that we can be. Let's love our colleagues. Let's serve them. Let's, you know, bring something positive to this. And if we get to talk about Jesus, let's talk about Jesus. But if we don't, I'm just going to be the best at what I do here and be a positive influence. Second question I want to ask you is, are you able to switch off and rest? That image, my beloved, they sleep. Do you know that you're loved by God? Do you know he loves you with an everlasting love, a passion? The ultimate expression of that is in a bloodstained cross where he came and he died in your place for your sin. 
Do you know that? Is that something that, that resonates with you? Is it something you, you go back to every day? Jesus taught his followers to pray. How did he teach them to pray? First words, our Father. We have a Father in heaven who loves us. And it doesn't matter how good or bad your earthly father was. There's a, a perfect, eternal Father in heaven who loves you and wants good for you. Do you know that? Are you able just to switch off? Can you do it? Or are you always trying to fix things and do things and not kind of relax? Can you turn off whatever it is that is pounding in on your life, causing you to work and fret? For many of us workers in the modern age, mobile devices and electronic devices and Wi-Fi are just a great blessing and an incredible curse. Because they go, it goes everywhere. In my pocket, everywhere I go is the whole world who can bother me and send things to me and, you know, uh, can you turn it off? If I said to you, turn off your phone for the rest of the day, if you start shaking at me even suggesting that, can I submit to you, you may have an issue in love. Can you turn off? Can you relax? Can you have those days of rest, your Sabbath? This is, I'm just going to rest. And do you know what? If it don't get done, it don't get done. Because God's ultimately in control. It's not down to me. Can you rest? Can you do that? Do you take your holidays that you're allotted or do you think the world will end if you can't book your holiday and just have a day off? The company can't survive without me. Then let the company fall. You know, I think they will cope. Whatever it is, can you rest? Can you spend time with friends and family just being and enjoying one another and just having fun and going out and doing things, going for walks, doing things you enjoy? Let's do the next one. One at a time. Simply the best perspective for children. Okay, now there's a, sh- a shift of focus. In my translation, it says, behold. Oh, okay, all right. All right. What's, what's, what's now? We've moved from the work and all that to, to um, children. It says, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be shut to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. Okay, now the focus is um, moving from the house to the household, okay? And the, 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 ble- uh, the blessings that are attached with family, another key area of human life. We have work, and then we have kind of our family, two massive areas of our life. And when we think of the household, the family, in the cultural context, it's much wider than we might think. We might think of a nuclear family, mum, dad, 2.4 kids, that's family. No, this is much wider than that. Aunties, uncles, nephews, cousins, the broadest kind of family thing that we can think of. So when we think of this family, that we're thinking of that as, as wide as we can get. And it says three things about children here that we wouldn't expect it to say. It says, first of all, children are a heritage. Now this word here, inheritance, is usually used in the Old Testament to refer to the land that was given to the people of Israel under Joshua, which we preached through Joshua last year. So we know all about that. And says it's your inheritance. Okay. So somehow, in the same way, children are a gift given by God to his people to secure their future. Now, normally, we think of children inheriting from their parents or grandparents. I've actually had some inheritance. My grandparents died uh, not so long ago. And part of that was I got an inheritance, which you kind of didn't expect. But it's like, oh, wow, that's good. But actually, here it's saying... Inheritance also goes the other way. Children are your inheritance. Children don't inherit from you. You inherit from them. The fact that they're there, they are an inheritance to you. They're God's gift to you. The next one, it says children are a reward. They are valuable. 
doesn't mean they're a reward for a particular act like you've done good, let me give you a reward. It's a general thing that they are valuable and good for you. Often we think of children as costing us money. Can we afford to have children? It's not an uncommon phrase that people go through, would-be parents go through. Can we afford to have children? The Bible says, actually, do you know what? They're the reward to you. They're valuable to you. You actually get way more back. And then the last thing it says about children, a little bit, you know, controversial, children are weapons. That's what it says. They're like arrows. We've met arrows already in the Psalms. They are weapons. You shoot them at your enemy. They cause this devastation and destruction. Now it's coming familiar, isn't it? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. All areas of our life devastated when children get involved. But they are arrows signal um, strength and protection. If you've got them, you can defend yourselves against anyone who would come near you. And having children is being like armed and ready for war. Any new parents can identify with that? Yeah, when I've got my kids, I feel ready for anything, like only sleep. And it uses this imagery here. It says that it talks about the gate, which is the, the, the entrance to the city or the town. And at the gate, that's where legal disputes took place. When we studied the book of Ruth a couple of summers back, there was the incident at the gate uh, with Boaz and Ruth and redeeming Ruth. And that's where it took place. And this is the same kind of imagery. That, that's where they gathered. That's what the, that was the place. And it says there's the gate here. And it says a man with children, he says, will not be put to shame. Because his children are with him. And they form, they've got his back. They're part of protection. So it's a blessing that comes from having children. That any people who come to accuse anyone, enemies, who try and sort of put one over on him, do something. Actually, you've got the family there to stand alongside you and thwart what the enemy is done, doing. And so the psalm is saying children are a good thing. It's saying that children do not inherit, parents inherit. It's saying children do not get the rewards. Parents are the ones who get reward rewarded for having kids and children do not make you old weak or exhausted they make you ready for battle children are your inheritance reward and weapons now of course it's not saying that children are not cannot be hard work we all know that but actually there is a great blessing that comes with children and this can go against much modern thinking when we think about children we kind of think children are expensive that's just a fairly common thing. And they need to be entertained. So they require energy. We need to entertain them. We need to provide them. We need to occupy them. That's the modern thinking. They take up time, energy, and resources. And there's a pressure to get back to real work, proper work, productive work, contributing to society kind of work. When actually raising kids is very much those things. We, have, we live in a, a world and an age where actually taking the life of a child before they're even born is legally allowed in much of the West. Very much the opposite of what the Bible says about kil- children. They are a gift, not just to their physical parents, but to the wider family, to the wider church family, but also to society as a whole. They are incredible things. And I just, I felt promised I was preparing this. Many of you work with children. You give your work time to serving children that are not your actual biological kids. And I just want to publicly say thank you for all those who do that. You might be a teacher, 
like in a school, you might teach in other contexts, sports or the like. You may work um, in medicine, looking after kids, caring for kids. You might be involved with kids in kind of who are in vulnerable situations and difficult situations. You might be a parent who look after children or a grandparent who looks after children or anything else. If you work with kids, I just want to say thank you for all you do. You are amazing and you are investing in an incredible resource that we have because children are awesome. They are valuable and they are inheritance and we, we love them and God loves them more than we ever could. I'm reminded of that story, what Jesus say when the disciples were saying, shoo the kids away, get away. Jesus is too busy. What did Jesus say? It says he rebuked them. Let the little children come. If you work with kids or have any involvement with kids, can you stand up? I just want to pray for you, please. If you know that that's you, and kids, when we say kids, kids go up to 18. Let's say anything involved with any of that. You serve kids, you work with kids, you're a parent, you're a grandparent, you look after kids. I just want to pray for all you do. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for these guys standing. Lord, I want to thank you that they've given their time, their energy to serving children. I want to thank you that they see them as beautiful gifts from God, from you, Lord Jesus. And I pray, God, that you would empower them for that service, Lord Jesus, that you would use them mightily for your kingdom to love and to honor and to dignify children where they are, Lord God. I pray as they go out this week and finish continue in that role that you would use them to advance your kingdom lord i want to thank you for their sacrifice i want to thank you for their dedication i want to thank you for their love for children lord jesus god's people said amen amen do you want to just sit down got a couple of questions and then we will finish one at a time first one here's a question for you where do you have children in your life think about that are you a parent Grandparent, aunt, uncle, do you work with kids? Do you have friends who have children that you may not have? You've got kids in your life group, kids from other families in church. So, you know, where are they? Just frame them in your mind. These are the children I have in my life right now. And then I want to ask you the second follow-up question is how do you see them? How do you see them? How do you look at them? Where are they in your priority list? Because what God says about them, his perspective on them, to live life the best is to see them as a reward, as an inheritance, and actually as weapons in the fight for the future. Because they are going to live beyond us, aren't they? And so we are to train them, and so we are to love them and nurture them and see them grow. And I want you to think now, what opportunities do you have to invest in the young? In your own life, might be your children, that's a big one if you're a parent, but also actually there are other children around. There are other children that you might be involved in your life, kids, friends of kids, nieces, nephews. Do you take time to just be with them? Take time to spend with kids, to talk to them, to, to switch off the outside distractions and just be with them, pray with them, talk to them, enjoy them, play the games they want to play. If you know that you, you, you're thinking, oh, maybe I don't have kids immediately in me, how about getting involved with a family that you know does, just to be with them? We've done that many times over the years. We just try to pull people into our life. They become part of our family, and they've just got involved with us and our kids 
and it's been beautiful to see and just they, they become just part of what we're doing. We love that. We want to continue that. I think we'll finish. I've got 56 seconds. Right, stand up, please. Stand up, please. We'll end. Can the band come up? Let's leave that. Stand up quicker. You're running my time down. Come on. <laughs> Close your eyes. Hold out your hands, please. I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit of God, would you come and fill us now? Lord Jesus, these two massive areas of life, our work, whatever we do, children that are around us, Lord, Lord, we thank you for them. We thank you for work. We thank you that it is a gift from you, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you gave it to us to be productive, to contribute society, Lord. And I pray, God, whatever it is we know we're doing work-wise, God, I pray you'd use us to be effective for your kingdom in that place, Lord Jesus. I pray you empower us for service there. Lord, I pray you change our perspective on it if it needs changes. If we need to repent, okay, my alarm's gone off over here telling me I need to stop, but I'm just going to just, shh, shh, there you go. Where was I? In a really holy moment. Anyway, God, yeah, change our perspective to work, Lord Jesus. Empower us for that, Lord. God, when it comes to kids, Lord, we pray you would bless us with more children. Certain husband and wife looking at each other uneasily now. That's not what I meant. But God, we thank you for the ones that you've given us. We thank you for the ones that are represented here in this church, the ones that fill our kids' work, the ones that are on the way, the ones that we know and extended friends and family outside of this place. Lord Jesus, we thank you for them. We want to say we love them. We think they're amazing. Lord, we thank you for your gifts to us, Lord God. And we pray, God, that we would heed your wisdom here today of how we look at what we do at work, how we look at our children, Lord God. And that you would use us mightily for your kingdom. Lord God, we want to say we love you and we praise you. And God's people said, Amen.